This is whyeveryday.co.za. Show where you ask one big question and we give one big answer. Hi everyone, my name's Steve and the question that we're going to be looking at today that was submitted is How can you prove to a non-believer that God exists? So when dealing with this question, I don't think that God as such is empirically verifiable. So that means you can't really weigh God or measure how, how long God is or any of those kind of things. But then again, things like thought and consciousness and love aren't either. So science in many respects is limited and is really the wrong tool for the job when asking that kind of question. But if we look at it in a logical form, if we look at the logical form of the argument, it goes something like this. Everything that had a beginning had a cause, and the universe had a beginning. So therefore, the universe had a cause. So although we cannot prove God as such, we can look at things that point to a timeless, spaceless, transcendent first cause. Things essentially that point to God. Up until the time of Einstein, around about the early part of the 20th century, the most widely held belief by atheists in general was that the universe is uncaused and eternal. Now this flies in the face of the logical argument I just mentioned, but it was scientific progress of empirically verifiable evidence that led to the current knowledge that we know the universe did indeed have a beginning. And if something had a beginning, it had a cause. So back to the logical form of the argument. The second premise, that the universe had a beginning, can be proven scientifically. I'm going to quickly highlight five lines of evidence regarding this. I'll explore one in a little bit of detail, and then share some evidences of fine-tuning in the universe, which considered together make not believing in God quite an exercise of faith indeed. So here we go. The evidence for the beginning of the universe, or Big Bang if you will, can be summed up in five lines of evidence, which can be remembered by the acronym SURGE. S-U-R-G-E. And I'd encourage you to pick up the book I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Norman Geisler and Frank Turek, which first introduced me to this line of reasoning. So firstly, S, the second law of thermodynamics, or entropy, if you found it in science. That is, the universe, as an isolated system, is becoming less ordered in terms of energy as time progresses. U stands for the universe is expanding. And if things could be reversed, we could see that logically and mathematically, it is expanding from a point of actual nothingness. R, the radiation afterglow. This says that there's cosmic background radiation that remains detectable in the universe from the Big Bang. G, the great galaxy seeds. This says that there are ripples in the temperature of the cosmic background radiation which enabled matter to congregate by gravitational attractions into galaxies. And we'll look at this in a bit more detail just now. And on to E finally. This is Einstein's theory of general relativity. And this shows that time, space, and matter are all co-relative. So let's look at G in Surge, or the great galaxy seeds. What are these great galaxy seeds, and why are they important in telling us that the universe had a beginning? Well, after the discovery of the radiation afterglow from the Big Bang, scientists hypothesized that if it was true, they, they would be able to find temperature ripples that enabled galaxies to form early on after the Big Bang. So in 1989, NASA launched the Cosmic Background Explorer Satellite, or COBE, to look for these. 
and see just how precise they are. The findings from the satellite came out in 1992, and the leader of the project, George Smoot, is quoted as saying, If you're religious, it's like looking at God. Another astrophysicist, Michael Turner, expressed that the significance of this discovery can't be overstated. They have found the holy grail of cosmology. The ripples in radioactive afterglow show that the expansion of the universe happened in such a precise way that it seems as though it were tweaked to allow just enough matter to congregate to form galaxies, but not enough to cause the universe to collapse back on itself. These ripples are so precise, down to one part in 100,000, that George Smoot remarked that they are the fingerprints of the Maker. And you can see pictures of this radiation and galaxy seeds on NASA's websites if you'd like. Another line of argument from science then is the fine-tuning of the universe. That is, there seems to be no end to the balancing act of mathematical constants that govern our universe's existence, and much more the fact that our little planet supports life. So here are just three examples of fine-tuning that make life possible for us. The first is the gravitational force. If the gravitational force were altered by 1 times 10 to the negative 38 of 1%, our sun would not exist, and neither would we. Second, the velocity of light. It is 12,091,792,458 meters per second. Alter that even slightly, and other constants will be altered and preclude the existence of any life. Then, the constant named epsilon. This is the strength of the force binding nucleons to nuclei. It is 0.007. If it were 0.006, only hydrogen could ever exist, and complex chemistry would be impossible. If it were 0.008, no hydrogen would exist at all, as all the hydrogen would have been fused shortly after the Big Bang. All in all, there are probably about 120 of these types of constants. So considering these things, I think we can agree with the logical format of the argument and say that the most reasonable response is to say that the universe did indeed have a beginning and is fine-tuned, and thus it follows that it had a cause. And I think the position that actually takes the least faith is to say that that cause is the God of the Bible.